Well, um, you know, as most of you know, Senior Pastor Bart is on sabbatical. And uh, so we've been hearing a lot from Randy. And he was out last week, so Kyle, the youth, um, youth pastor, got to speak. And Randy was on vacation. You know, if you're on vacation, you're not really wanting to plan a message because you're really not on vacation then, right? Um, so since they went to the th- other three of the guys, they had nowhere else to go. So they went to fourth string. So I'm here today. And I'm not saying that Kyle is third string. I'm just saying we go down this list of line. And so um, I'm number four. And by the way, if I tell any jokes today and you don't laugh, it doesn't bother me. I tell jokes for my sake, not yours. And as long as I make me laugh, that's good. If you laugh, it's bonus, all right? So um, that's the way it is. You know, today we've been talking about um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, talking about to the kings of the Old Testament. And originally I was going to speak on King Hezekiah. But as Ray and I got talking, we said, you know, I've been here for six months, and you guys, most of you have not got the chance to hear uh, my story, uh, the story of my family, how we've gotten here. So today... Um, instead of really, and let me rephrase this, I say my stories. Today I really want to focus on something I like to call, and the staff has got used to me saying, God stories. Um, because that's what it really is to us. And, and I know that sounds a little cheesy, but as I explain, you're going to understand it. God's story is a story um, that is so powerful, so big, it can only be attributed to God. I can't take credit, my family can't take credit. God has done this so many times. I really want to share this with you guys, uh, because I think God's stories are so powerful. And I know that each of us can have God's stories. And uh, so as we talk about this, that's where we're going to come from. Now, my wife, when she tells stories, she loves to tell background information. All right? Most guys, I'm sure, are like me. I don't want the background information. I want the steak and potatoes. Leave the seasonings aside. Just tell me what you're going to say. Give me a 30-second version. Let me go on life. She's not like that. So we've come up with a great compromise. She tells the stories with all the details. I listen to all the stories with all the details. That's our compromise. There you go. Thanks. That really took you a second. And actually, though, I've earned the right now because I've listened to her so long to say, hey, honey, tonight, could you just give me the 30-second version? And that usually narrows it down to 10 minutes instead of 30 minutes. So um, I've learned asking that question helps out. What I'm going to tell you is just our story, okay? Um, yes, there's going to be scripture in it, but I'm telling you how God, what God has taught us. Now, all the things I say may not line up with, it does line up with the Bible, but it may not line up with how each of us live, and that's okay. I'm not here to say, if you don't live this certain way, then you're under the condemnation of Christ, because we know, as we're just saying, there is no condemnation in Christ, all right? God teaches us all different things at different levels. So I'm just going to share with you what God has taught us over the time. We're not perfect. We're still learning, but I love what God does in our lives, and I'm excited. I'm not going to go back too far, except to say that I was born the second of six kids, and... Um, I received Christ at the age of six, and I remember kneeling beside my dad's bed and uh, just praying that prayer of salvation, really meaning it. Two great things happened to me then at six. I fell in love with law enforcement, and I fell in love with music. All right? Now, law enforcement, I'd watch Chips, you know, the good old California Highway Patrol, the cheesiest show in the world that had no point to it except just running around chasing bad guys. Great show. And, of course, Andy Griffith and shows like that. The other thing is my mom had a piano. So I beat on that piano. To me, it was joyful noise. I'm sure to my family, it was horrific noise. Um, but they endured it. And my parents tell me that I used to stand in the pews. We went to church where they sing hymnals. We used to stand in the pews and conduct the music with the, uh, with the uh, worship leader. And so my dad said he knew at that age I was going to be uh, involved in church music somehow. So anyway, I tell you that uh, because the piano part, my mom made me take lessons. I just found I liked it, playing the piano. I hated Lessons. I did. I I took them for one, maybe two months, and I quit. I said, "No, mom, no more. This is torturous." So I became self-taught on the piano, and mainly self-taught in music. And I tell you that, and I say self-taught. People call it a natural gift. I call it a God gift. He just put that inside of me and said, "Hey." I didn't know what I was going to do with it in my life. I just know he put that inside of me. I became involved in music programs at high school, middle school. Um, matter of fact, I started off in college with a music education degree. That's what I want to do. I want to teach music. Well, one year into college, I ran out of something called money. And so that kind of ended my college career really fast. Um, so I started working full-time with my dad. He owned a company. And I started going to this small church in Rockwall. They had about, they had about six or 7,000 members. And uh, I was sitting there, and I was just blown away by this church. And, and, and I really felt God saying, hey, you need to serve. 
are you going to serve in a church of five or 6,000? You don't even know the people. Well, wouldn't you know, that day, the worship guy comes on by and says, we need help in these areas, which area we'd like to serve. So I went down the list, and I found the least threatening I could find, which was children's ministry. <laughs> least threatening, right? So I checked that one off, and before I knew it, I'm kind of speeding through some of this because I can't tell you everything, but before I knew it, I was teaching fifth grade, and I got invited to go to the kids' camp to be their camp counselor. Never been as a student, but I went as a counselor. I'm just watching those kids interact with the worship leader on stage, and he wasn't this uh, goofball, rocked out, you know, dude. He, he, he just really led them in worship, and very simple, but he, um, he God had really started stirring my heart about worship. You know, I didn't really think I was going to lead worship. I, I Believe it or not, I'd never sing in front of anybody to this point. I was 19, never sing in front of anybody to this point, nor did I ever want to sing in front of anybody. I'd never, I never was never in choir. That wasn't a part of my, you know, horizon. I, didn't, I wasn't caring about that. But I just knew God was wanting something. So February comes along, and the youth minister comes up to me. He says, hey, Jason, I hear that you play keys. I said, yeah. And he said, well, our middle school program needs a worship leader. Would you do that? I still to this day have no idea why I said yes. The words yes came out of my mouth, and as he walked off, I was like, what in the world did I just do? I don't even know these worship songs. I was new to this church. I barely knew how to play worship songs on the keyboard. I, I've never sang it for anybody. Needless to say, um, I did. And I showed up that week. There were 50 middle school students there, 50. And I had this little $200 rinky-dink Casio keyboard. Do, 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 do. And it was, I'm sure it was horrible when I first started. I'm sure it was horrific. You know what? It was a training ground that God, God works with amazing. He works from the future backwards. He knows where we're headed and where he wants us. So he starts interjecting things in our lives to get to that point. And that is an amazing thing about God. Let me just tell you this real quick before I go on. If you don't know what God wants for you in your life, just go serve. Just get plugged in somewhere. Um, find a need. It doesn't have to be necessarily in the church, even though it's great to serve your local body. Find somebody around there. Just start serving. God will. He will put you where he wants you. He's going to. I started off teaching fifth graders. God used that vessel. So I started leading worship to middle schoolers. Then I started leading worship with the children on Saturday night and Sunday morning. I led worship for middle schoolers for nine years. Every week. It grew from 50 kids to over 600 kids. Middle school. Six, seven, eight graders. Now that is worse than teaching fifth grade boys. Having that many middle school students in one room. But just get out there and serve. Now I'm going to kind of speed up again a little further. I met my wife in 2002. Make sure I say that right. We got married in 2003. I was, my dad sold his business, so I was working for another company. That company, I was working six days a week, about 12 to 13 hours. I usually skip lunch. That's not a big deal to me. I like to work. Um, I had to change my work ethic some when I got married because my wife wanted to see me some. Um, but working wasn't a big deal to me. It was actually fun. We planned on waiting two to five years before we had kids. And we also planned only having maybe two to four kids, um, and that was it. She was actually on birth control. Six months into pregnancy, she got pregnant. God said, you know what, I'm a little stronger than that birth control. I, so six months, so that was December. Also in December, when that happened, we started praying, and we really felt God was calling us to leave my job as a bookbinder. Bookbinder, by the way, takes printing, printings um, from printing companies, puts it together, and turns it out into a book, okay, and then sends it back out. We really felt God saying, hey... I want you to leave and go to full-time ministry. Well, I didn't have anything lined up for it, but we prayed for about it. And so we said, okay, we'll do this. And so February, I go and I give my two-week notice and say, hey, I'm leaving this job. I've got to go do something else. God's called me elsewhere. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was really kind of a little terrified, but she and I both knew God would do something. I was making at the time 28000 So this was, you know, 2004. So it wasn't bad. You know, just two of us. It wasn't a big deal. I turned my two-week notice in, and they don't you love when people do this kind of stuff to you? He says, hey, if you stay here, we'll make you the nighttime supervisor and pay you 70000 a year. He's going to double my salary for staying there. I was like, wait a minute, I've been here for uh, over a year, and just now you decide I'm worth all this money? And so uh, I said, you know what? It's not about the money. It's about God, and this is what he's told us. This is amazing. Three days later, three days after I turned the resume, I had to turn my two-week notice in. I get a phone call from this guy. I hadn't submitted my resume, done nothing. I had no idea what to do what God wanted. A phone call from a guy in East Texas. He says, hey, I'm a pastor of a church out here. I got your name from somebody who, who knows you at Lake Point, and they think you'd be a great fit. I don't even know if you're looking for a worship job. I don't know what your story is, but I just really felt like I need to call you and talk to you. So we talked for probably an hour. 
I hung up the phone, and I had this disgusting look on my face, and my wife said, what's wrong? I said, well, that was a pastor from East Texas. I'm not very happy because I know that's where God's going to make us move. And... <laughs> Let me tell you this, if you've ever been a part of a church hiring process, they take a long time. So it took them six months to figure out they wanted me there. As a matter of fact, I almost got myself in trouble, I thought. I told the pastor, I'm just waiting on you guys. I know God's bringing me out here. I'm just waiting for y'all to get y'all's ducks in a row. And, and then he made me tell the hiring committee that, which I wasn't pleased about, but they didn't mind. So I didn't have to hand out my resume or anything, but this is what God has done. God said, this is where I'm putting you. We were obedient to what God wanted to do. Instead of trying to figure out what's coming up next, we just followed him. Boom, he placed the next thing in life. Being out Mount Pleasant was great, good, great growing experience for us. Um, a significant thing that happened to us out there, we went through Financial Peace University. Any of y'all been through Financial Peace University? Okay, that's way too few. You need to go through Financial Peace University. It is amazing. The Dave Ramsey program, it is phenomenal. God had taught us through that, that and, and we committed for our lives that we were going to live no longer in debt. We were going to be credit card free. We had no credit cards. Pay off our debt. The only thing we had, we had a Chrysler van, which we still have and a mortgage, which we'd got before we went to this financial peace. And we decided at that point we're going to live solely on what God gives us. And if the money's not there, the answer is no. If the money arrives, then that's what God wants for us. And then we decided we're going to make a budget and stick to it. So that's very important. So when I left Trinity, that was the name of the church out in East Texas, when I left there, um, um, I didn't know what I was going to do next. Well, guess what? Remember, at six, I wanted to be a police officer. I felt this was the time to go be a police officer. So I turned my application with the city of Mesquite on the other side of the Metroplex. And uh, I didn't really tell anybody except my wife. Go through this hiring process. The first two phases are easy to pass. I knew I'd pass that. Go through a lie detector test. I hope I pass that. You know, I'm going to tell the truth. And then, um, I'm not going to the details of it. Get to an oral review board, which majority of people fail at oral review board. It's, you know, nerve-wracking. They try to make it that way. It lasts probably an hour. It probably seemed like 15 minutes to me. I get out, and the guy comes out and said, hey, congratulations. You passed the oral review board. And I was blown away. I, you know, I expected, like everybody else to hear you come in here and, 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 and you failed. I won't, I, I've got lots of stories I'd love to tell you about that. I won't, well, maybe I will. I'll tell you one. Um, cause this is funny to me. My first day I got in a pursuit and this guy had a stolen car, chase him from him. He crashes, he wrecks out. I run across eight lanes of the highway to catch him. Another agency was with us. He almost got killed by an 18 wheeler. 18 wheeler barely missed him. And so catch him is great. You know, first day. My sergeant calls me in his office and says, hey, great job. Never run across that highway again. I was like, okay, yes, sir. And he said, and don't tell your wife you ran across the highway. That day I had also eaten at a place called Jason's Deli. Amazing, amazing place. I said, Sarge, my wife's going to be more upset at me that I ate Jason's Deli than I ran across the highway. I get home. I said, hey, honey, listen to this story. I told her about this food. I'm going to run across the highway. She's excited. Well, that's amazing. That's a fun day. I said, yeah. I said, like, what else happened? I said, well, it's such and such. And then we ate at Jason's Deli. You ate at Jason's Deli without me? So, you know, um, if y'all don't think that's funny, I think it's hilarious. Um, my wife was more concerned about food than my safety. Do you see the irony of it all there, guys? So, we sold our house back in East Texas. Here was our big mistake. What does everybody do? They buy a house. But we said we weren't going to buy a house. Guess what we did? We went out and bought a house. Well, I was a police officer, and we're like, well, we have to. This is an investment. This is what we're supposed to do. This is wise with the money. We don't throw it away on renting, so this is what we need to do. See, the reason why we follow God is because he knows more than us. It was not even five or six months later that God started stirring in my heart. And I loved law enforcement. I was in deep nights, and, and it's fun on deep nights, but... God wouldn't leave me alone, and, I, and something was just not right, and I couldn't figure out what it was. So one night, I threatened God. I said, I'm going to read your Bible until you speak to me. Okay, that's not really a threat, and guess what? If you say that, he's not going to talk to you for a while, because he's going to let you keep reading for a while. Such as he did this night. I went eight chapters of Hebrews, and God said nothing to me. So I said, okay, well, let me look up worship leaders. So I found some number 16, and basically there's a group of worship leaders with Korah who were not satisfied of being where God put them. And so they wanted the priesthood. They wanted to take over uh, Moses and Aaron's job and have the priesthood. And God speaks to them. This is what God says to them, number 69. He says, is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation and to minister to them? And that he has brought you near to him all and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you, 
And would you seek the priesthood also? That's like a two before that hit me across the head. God was saying, Jason, I have given you the gift of leading worship. Was that not enough for you that you're going to come over here and chase your dreams? You know, in America, what do we say? Go after your dreams. Chase after dreams. Do whatever you want. You can do it. You can do it. As believers, that's not what we're supposed to be saying. I ask my kids all the time, what are you going to do with the life that God has given you? Because we come up with a lot of dreams. Our heart, my heart was after law enforcement. The Bible also says our heart is very deceitful. We say a lot of times, follow after God, trust Him, He will give you the desires of your heart. I look at that verse a little differently. Not just He'll give you the desires that you desire, but He will give you the desires of your heart. He will take the desires and give it to you, and that's the desires He's going to give you. And so, God just hit me with the two by four. My wife, I talked to my wife, and I said, okay, God really wants us back in ministry. Well, you know, last time I turned my two-week notice in, three days later, God did something. So we're expecting the same thing. So I leave law enforcement, and nothing happens. I turn in my resume to a lot of churches. Nothing happens. Um, I talk to people. They get all these great connections. Silent. In the meantime, I've got a car payment, a mortgage, insurance, and we have this child that we're supporting through Compassion International. So money, we had quite a bit in savings. Actually, we had to take out retirement and start living. It's like, okay, God, now's the time. It's good. Go ahead. You know, hit the green light. Let's move on. Um, he said no. And so we eventually rented out our house because we wanted to avoid a foreclosure. So we never missed a payment. We just rented it out to somebody else. And my family of five, who had one on the way at the time, um, we had to move in with family, and we lived in a one-bedroom room all together, all of us. And I was like, okay, God, let's move this along. You're taking a little longer than I want you to. Can we hurry up? This went on for 16 months. We had to move with family to family. I would try to get part-time jobs at Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, any place. I was putting applications everywhere. Nothing. Like, God, what, what are you doing? Yeah, that house that we bought that was a great investment, the economy had tanked at the same time. So, you know, my house was worth a lot less than what I pay for it and than what I owe on it. And as Randy likes to say, it's not really my house. I own maybe, you know, a half of a percent of it. The bank owns the rest of it. And so, um, but over that 16 months, I still had a car payment. I still had auto insurance. And we still had the Compassion International Child. So I had about $400 every month that was already obligated to go somewhere. And there's many times I thought about the story in Matthew 17. In Matthew 17, the tax collectors come up to, to Peter and says, Hey, does Jesus not pay taxes? And Peter's like, Hey, Jesus, do we pay taxes? And he's like, Hey, Peter, so we don't offend them. Go here to the water, grab a fish, and then take the coin out of the fish's mouth. I mean, how great is that? So there's so many times, and this would be serious in my prayer, I'd say, God, you provide silly tax money out of the mouth of the fish. I know that you can provide for us. For 16 months, without ever asking anybody for a dime, except for let me live in your house and have your food. But other than that, we never asked somebody for car payment money. We never missed a car payment. We never missed insurance. And we never missed supporting that Compassion International Child. Her name is Alberta. God would miraculously either provide the money through somebody, or somebody come asking to mow their yard, or what, but without telling anybody, God would continually provide for our needs. He was teaching us a lot there and then. He, he, here's, here's what he taught us in 16 months. One, he is in control. Two, answers come from him. So every time somebody would say no, it wasn't humans telling me no, it was God telling me no. When I would put in a job application, they'd say no, it was God. Three, he decides where we live and where we're going to work. And four, he is the one who meets our needs. That 16 months for us was rough. Some of you may be in that 16-month period or however long it is. Some of you may eventually be there. You have been there. It was rough. My wife, though, we, she and I both agree, we would never, ever change it or exchange it for anything. It was an amazing time because God can strip a man of his pride completely when he has nothing to provide his family with. And, and especially here in America, we think that we are in control and we provide everything and we work and we do this. And God's like, Jason, I am the one who provides. I am the one who provides. Sixteen months, I get a call from somebody that says, hey, I need a delivery driver. It's a full-time job. 
making deliveries, but it lasts only for four weeks. I was like, well, thanks. That would be a good start. So and at the same time, there was a church in Mesquite called Wildwood who asked me to be their part-time worship leader. And also around the same time, a little bit before this, I had lunch with two guys um, by the name of Bart and Randy. And, uh, uh, let, you know, that's the thing about telling your story, you're going to skip stuff. My wife had told me during this time of 16 months, hey, keep putting your application in. But God's going to bring the church to you. You're not even going to know about the church. And, and my wife is usually right. Um, so I wasn't happy about that either because no church had called me, so I knew that it wasn't time yet. But Bart calls me and said, hey, I don't know if you're looking for a worship job, but it was almost the same kind of conversation I had with the East Texas pastor. I went to lunch with Bart and Randy. It was an amazing lunch. I talked to these guys and so many of the same thoughts on church and how things go, they just lined up. And I went home excited to my wife, telling her about it. Um, so this church in Wildwood, I was leading part-time with them. They asked me at the time, hey, would you be our worship pastor? But it's only a part-time job. And so um, I said, okay, well, I'll do it part-time. But I had this interview with Bart and Randy, so I wasn't going to tell a church yes when I had the opportunity to come do it full-time. So I was like, okay, you guys are going to have to wait, all right? Um, we're going to find out what God's doing here first. That four-week job, when it came to an end, I remember praying, sitting in the, the office, saying, God, Monday, I don't have a job. And I know you can provide without it, but I would sure like to have a job. You've already gave me a taste of this again, and 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 let me, through you, provide for our family. So I'd really like to have a job. I get an email just a few minutes later from a guy who says, Hey, Jason, my dad owns this electrician company. He just fired his helper. I don't like to think that my prayer got a guy fired, but uh, he just fired his helper, and he needs another helper. Would you... Would you be interested in a job that starts Monday? I was like, uh, yes, okay, God, open door, that's exactly what you want. So I go and work for this electrician. It was a great, fun job. Um, I just got to do a whole lot of great stuff with him, problem solving, all that kind of stuff. Still leading worship over here with uh, Wildwood. We start getting enough money that I said, okay, it's time to move out of family's houses and to finally move our own house. So God blesses us with this 10-acre uh, property with this, 800 square foot house, two bedrooms, one bath. But when you're living in six people in one bedroom, you'll take an 800 square foot house. It seems like a mansion at the time. Plus 10 acres, your kids go run around, and the rent was extremely cheap. Again, people don't talk about salaries. I break rules. With those two jobs combined, I was bringing in a little over 2000 and our expenditures were $40 less than what we were bringing in a month. So God had knew exactly what we needed, and he provided, and he gave us just a little tiny cushion to cover any extras that came up. Again, I told you we live on a budget, we stick to it. So um, I hadn't heard, I don't know if you know this story, Randy, I hadn't heard from EBC in a while. And again, churches move slow. And I started thinking, well, maybe EBC is not going to work out. So I was like, you know, we got to kind of make a decision of what we're going to do. The electrician really wanted me to keep working for him and take over the company one day. Um, so that's a nice compliment. And and this church over here saying, hey, are you going to come lead worship for us or not? We've got to make budgets next year. Da, da, da. And so I finally said, okay, God. I, I put a Wednesday, a certain Wednesday in my head. I said, this Wednesday, if I hadn't heard from EBC by 4 o'clock, I'm going to tell this other church yes and EBC no. And that was and, and I hadn't heard from EBC probably three or four weeks. So... That Wednesday came. I mean, you can already figure out the rest of the story from there, but I still got to tell it. That Wednesday came, and I was excited because I hadn't heard from EBC, and the excitement wasn't that I wasn't going to work for EBC. The excitement was I actually got to know, okay, this is what God's doing with our lives right now. So I felt like we were on track. So the day's going on, very excited. 3.50, I'm about to jump the gun because I said 4 o'clock. I go in the pastor's office with my laptop computer, and I, was like, and I sat down at his desk. I was like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'll just come to talk to you for a second. He said, okay, and I opened my mouth to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and work with you guys. It's 3.52, you've got mail. Look down, Bart Howell had sent me an email, 3.52, eight minutes before the deadline, okay? I had told no one the deadline. It was between me and God alone, okay? God said, nope, 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 you're not going over there. You're, you are going to go to EBC. So... um, I'm a, I'll be honest, I was a little upset at God at the time because he likes to change my plans at the last second. Notice my plans. He never changes his. Um, so he just kept showing his sovereignty the whole time. He just kept showing us over and over again, okay, I'm, you want to go in law enforcement? It's worship. You think you're going to work here? I'm putting you here. You want to do this? So Angel's like, okay, God, you're showing us. You really are sovereign. 
you really are in control. So there's one more area, okay, so we've started putting finances there, starting putting work in there, things are starting to line up, that God speaks to us about. And he says, okay, you're starting to trust me with sovereignty, how about do you trust me with your children? I was like, do what? He's like, how about you trust me with your children? I said, okay, how do you mean trust you with the children? How about you let me decide how many children you have, and you don't take it in your own hands? I told you in the Old Testament, I'm sovereign over the womb. If I'm sovereign over your finances, you're going to trust me in these little things. What about when it matters most to you when you think you had a family figured out? And I was like, okay. Um, so I was telling Angie that, and she's like, okay. So we prayed about it. What are you going to really pray about? When God tells you something, you're going to, I mean, really just kind of kicking your feet behind. And, and let me just say this. I'm not saying that every person here, um, if you don't have tons of kids or you, this is wasn't what God has showed you that you're in sin. I'm telling you what God has showed my family, okay? So I'm not speaking from a Jesus ladder, looking down on all you poor folks who don't understand how this thing works, okay? That's not it. I told you from the beginning, I'm speaking what Jesus has taught us. My fear when God said that to me was that I would turn out like this family. That's a great family, but 19 kids and... And, and that's a great blessing for them. I, I have not one negative word to say about them. They are following their heart after God, and this is what he has for them. I just didn't want that. Then I started, God started working on my heart. And so it no longer became, God, please don't give me 19 kids. And now my heart is, okay, we're pregnant with our fifth, but please don't let this be our last. I'm not saying I want 19, but God has changed my heart. See, he changes what your actions, and then he lets your heart follow after that. And so I'm like, God, please don't let the fifth one be my last. And let, don't let the sixth one be my last. And, and just give us really what you want. Um, I, again, I came from a family of six, so it's not a really a big deal. So thinking about a larger family, just for fun, I started looking at 15 passenger vans. Now, I haven't really said much about, yeah, there it is. I haven't said much about, and I should interject these, all these stories, if you haven't caught on, they're pretty much God stories. They're not something I could do or make up, okay? I, I can't do these things on my own. It'd be pretty cool if I could. You guys would come see me all the time and I would do great stuff for you, but I can't. So I started looking at 15 passenger vans just for fun. 100 to 300,000 miles. People were selling for 3000 to $6,000. It's just for funny ways. I wasn't going to buy one. Remember, I was only making $40 more a month than I was spending out. It wasn't realistic. So I told my wife, I said, God ever wants us to have a 15 passenger van, he's going to provide it. And I hope he provides a lot newer one than, than, than I'm seeing online because this is horrible. A month later, my electrician boss, who went to the same church, he said, he started making jokes about us having kids, and, and uh, he said, you're going to have that 15-passenger van one day. I said, yeah, we were looking at some last month. He said, hey, the church is selling theirs. And, and the 15-passenger van, the church, he said, yeah, they're selling it. They don't use it very much. I said, well, what is it? He said, well, it's a 99, uh, 350 Carline Ford with 52,000 miles on it. Because they don't drive it. Well, I knew 52000 it's at least $6,000. But surely, if I was interested, they'd cut me a break. But, you know, how much of a break? So he calls them and he says, hey, how much do you guys want to sell that van for? He said, Jason, they want to buy it. Really? Okay. Hey, Jason, they said they would sell it to you for $600. I said, $600? What's wrong? He said, well, it has Wildwood written all over it and the phone numbers and everything else. They just don't want to take the time to peel it off. And they know that nobody else would want to buy it looking like that. I said, okay, great, but I don't have $600. And so he says, well, I'll loan you the $600 and just take it out of your paycheck. I said, Sam, I appreciate it, but if God wants us to have it, he's going to provide the money. So I tell my wife, and she's all excited. I mean, how do you get excited over a 15 passenger van? I don't know, but we did. <laughs> we start praying, God, if this is something you want for us, we trust you. You're going to provide we just went on nothing. The church was waiting patiently for us, as they had been for the job. I mean, all these guys do is wait, wait, wait on us. And nothing and nothing. And finally, I had, I'd make websites on the side, and this guy, had, a year prior when I needed money, sometimes you, when you uh, do things for people, you lowball it so they'll go ahead and pay you and get it done. He took a year to get his whole project done. So here we are a year later, and now I'm working on his website. So I built this website for him, really, really cheap, cheap website. It looks nice, but I just, seen it. I just did it for really cheap because I needed the money back then. So he, I get $500. Okay, well, $500, I got 100 to go. The next day, a guy calls me and says, hey, I need my yard mow. It's an acre and a half, hills, trees. He says, I'll pay you 100 bucks to mow it. So I was like, what? 600 here in one week? So I take the money to the church, 
by the van, brought home our 15-passenger van. Matter of fact, we had to come out here uh, for a rehearsal, and my family was like, can we drive the 15? I was like, yeah, but there's letters all over that says, well, I don't care, can we drive the 15? So I put all my family in the 15-passenger van with Wildwood Baptist Church written on it, drove it out here for a Thursday rehearsal before I got the job, and uh, they're, this is their favorite vehicle. They don't want to drive in our small van. They, they'd rather, much rather drive in this huge, big bus, gas-guzzling vehicle that God's blessed us with. This is it. This is it. And I just peeled off. It took me three hours to take a hot gun, peel it off, put gasoline on the outside to get rid of ghost lettering. And uh, so we love it. So obviously you see that God's brought us here at EVC. I'll put that gap together for you. We're here. Um, we're excited. We love it here. One other thing we're excited about doing here, we had a job that was further than from our house. That means we have to move, right? So we knew we could get out of the 800 square feet and move into a hopefully a larger house. So, um, I was, we started part-time January, full-time February. I was fully expecting God to move us out here February 1, right with the full-time commission. Yeah, he had different plans again. Bart and I, and, and we got to the point, and I'll tell you more about George Mueller in a minute, we got to the point where we, based on his life, wouldn't tell people our needs at all. We're just not going to tell them. We're just going to pray to God, let him do what he wants. He's proved he takes care of everything. Why not? Why to go to anybody else? He's got a better plan. So, but I'm not going to lie to somebody. So they ask me a question. I mean, a lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. So you got to tell the truth. So in our conversation, Bart asked me a question about moving expenses. It's like, well, you know, when you haven't had a job for 16 months and then you only make $40 or more, you don't really have money for down payment stuff. He said, okay. And when Angie and I were praying about it, he called me back in a couple of days and said, hey, people at the church have decided, you guys, many of you had decided they, will, they want to donate money to you to help make your down payment and move out here. And, and you guys did amazing. There was, there was about $1,000 that you guys gave over the next several weeks to help us move out here. And that's amazing when you have no money. And, and so when that money, we found out that money, we're like, okay, now it's time to move. Let's go. So we started looking at the house, and we heard uh, uh, from someone in the house of a, uh, uh, here in the church of a friend who had uh, a 3,200-square-foot house. And, and again, you don't talk money. I'm telling you money. Our budget was 1200 okay? Um, if there's a biblical reason why I shouldn't talk money to you, you can come tell me afterwards. I'm, I, I, my goal was 1000 to 1200 This house, 3,200 square feet. There's only two bedrooms, but they had a sunroom you could turn into a bedroom and one bath. But, you know, 800 square feet, 3,200 square feet. 1200 is what she asked for, 1200 I said, that has to be God. I mean, 1200 and that's what our budget is. Okay, well. So we're going to look at it. Now, it, it was outdated. We didn't mind. We're like, all oh, the spaces was great. Well, long story short, it fell through, okay, um, before we got to any kind of talks about that. So that wasn't God. So then there's a second house. that We looked at lots of houses, and, and we saw what, you know, probably what helped set our range. We saw what we didn't want under this range, and we saw what we couldn't afford over this range. So we found the second house. It was, it was uh, 2,300 square feet, three bedrooms, one bath, two baths, uh, two-story no fireplace, which is a big deal to my wife, not so big deal to me. A house is a house, but you know, women, some of you like your fireplaces, you gotta have it. Um, nice size backyard. Eleven ninety five, five dollars less than what we budgeted for. This has to be it. So put our application in. And I wait, and I wait, get a call. Yeah, you have been rejected from this house because of your criminal history. My criminal history? Do you read on there that I was a police officer, that I'm a worship pastor? Sorry, sir, it's you. It matches Social Security and date of birth. No, ma'am, it's not me. Yes, sir, it's you. It matches Social Security and date of birth. Spit on these things. By the way, um, the van is known, being a police officer, you know quite a few laws. So when I started quoting law to her, how she couldn't truly really know my uh, criminal history because of this, da 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 I won't go into all of it to you guys. People start getting nervous. And, uh, yeah, okay, okay, sir, I'll, I'll check into that. And I finally proved it wasn't me. And then I told her, and I was nice, but I told her, I said, ma'am, the problem is you're not the owner. You've already told the owner I have a criminal history. You're going to tell them I don't have one, and they're still going to say no because you've already tainted it. Of course, they said no. And I talked to my wife. I said, remember, the answer does not come from man. The answer comes from God. We need to stop. We need to pray. See, God provided the money, but we forgot to ask him which house he wanted us to move in. Okay, so as I prayed, I said, okay, God, what's going on here? And I really heard him say, move your... 1200 down to 1000 That's your top line. I said, 1000 God, have you seen the houses under 1000 
Uh, they're not really that great, and they're not that big. Move it down to 1,000. Okay, God. So, so that was my prayer. Lord, I know I don't care how big the house is. I don't care how small. I don't care what condition it's in. I don't care anything. I just want what you want for our family, and would you do it in a way that we have a God story to share with people? Three days later, after leading worship in here, someone comes up to me and says, Hey, have you found a rent house yet? It's like, uh, no, we're still looking. Well, I have a friend who has a rent house who has to go overseas for a couple years and wants to rent out their rent house. And they rent out their house, and I said, okay, well, how much? She said, well, if it goes on the public market, she's thinking fourteen or $1,500. It's like, okay. So, but if you want to rent it out, she said, for about 1000 Okay. I said, tell me about this rent house. What's well, a four-bedroom, two-bath, 2,200 2, square feet, and it's only about six years old. What's wrong with it? Nothing. She just, if you want to rent it, she said you could have about a thousand. We went and looked at it. Huge. I mean, two living rooms, two dining rooms, a kitchen, all this bedroom, space for our kids to run around. I told my wife, I said, I just cautious. I know what we prayed for. I know what she's saying. But I don't know when the final papers come about if it's really going to be a thousand dollars. I mean, there has to be something where it's going to go up and up and up. Sure enough, we come to sign the rental papers. It wasn't a thousand. It was nine eighty a month. And so we searched for all these houses. When we finally surrendered to God and said, "Okay, God, what you house want?" He did something amazing that we could not do. By the way, what you guys gave as a group was about nine eighty exactly. Um, so you know, God had prepared already in advance for that. Um, and so there was another great God story. And then I'm gonna have one more, and I'm gonna tell you a few things about these God stories. And I, most of my life, I'm telling you because. Again, I want you to see these amazing things that God does, He's been doing, continues to do. Um, in June, as y'all know that I went, most of y'all know I went to the hospital the first weekend I was out here, that we moved out here. We moved out here in June, by the way. Um, I was in the hospital. And, um, then also, uh, the down payment, but we had to rent a U-Haul because I tried to borrow the trucks, the church's trailer. It was a little too heavy for my, even for my 15, and I didn't want to bog it down, so. Got a U-Haul. So we're a little tighter on budget than normal. So my wife, I remember the second week of June, leans on the refrigerator and says, Jay, I'm just praying God will really stretch our grocery budget this month because I don't know how we're going to make it. Four hours later, many of you have been bringing food for us since I've been in the hospital. Four hours later, um, the last meal came for us. Um, that sounds really bad. Um, <laughs> the last meal scheduled to be brought to us was brought to us. And um, we were so thankful. And then she goes back to her car, and she just starts bringing in bags of grocery that she'd went out and bought. So four hours later, God had answered the prayer already. And then the next week, you guys, many of you, were part of the pounding for us. And so that provided a lot of groceries. And then somebody donated an um, angel food box to us. So God had said, okay, you need the stuff, you asked for it, here you go. There are so many more stories I could keep telling you, and if you ever came to my house, um, I could show you furniture after furniture after furniture that God has given to us um, that we'd even ask for. Uh, and so here's the question I'm first going to say, who can have God's stories? Well, unfortunately, only very select few. You have to go through a long process, application, and hope that God chooses you. That's a joke. Not true. For y'all who didn't know it was a joke, it's a joke. Um, anybody who is a follower of Christ can have God's stories. It's a matter of faith and trust and where are you putting your hope. If anybody can have God's stories, and I know people who are not believers who had God's stories and now they are believers because of God's stories. If anybody can have them, then why God's stories? I think for the first reason why is because God wants to show his power and his glory. If we look at Philippians 4, 19 and 20, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what's funny is we see this. He says, um, do we have two different versions going on? It says able to supply. My version said he will supply. The deal is, guys, he is able and he will supply. Our needs he will take care of. And he does this because he wants to show his glory and because, secondly, 
He wants to increase our faith as believers. If we had a God that we followed Him and there was nothing tangible to show for it, I mean, He'd still be the mighty God, but what kind of God is that? There's a lot of people who follow a lot of false gods who do nothing for them and they still think He's a great and mighty God. Little G. We serve the great, great big G God. And, and He wants to do God stories in our lives because He wants to increase our faith. Read here in Matthew chapter 6. Um, I think the screen starts off. Yeah, one more. Let's think the screen starts off. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those are non-believers, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. We live at a time where anxiety is crazy right now. Economies, you know, all over the place. Um, we keep hearing one news one day, the next news the next day. Guys, there's no reason for us when we're following after God to worry to be anxious. I mean, one, because I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Neither God meant it or he's just making up good scripture. And I think that he meant it. We are not to be anxious, but we are to trust. And I think a lot of times, especially in America, we get confused. We think... Okay, this is what I've been praying for, but God hasn't given to me. And so, therefore, God's not going to meet my needs. And reality is, that's a lot of times something we don't need. Reality is, God gives us what he says here, the basics for life. Clothing, what we'll drink, what we're going to eat. I think those are pretty essential right there. And so, here's what's amazing. Not only he will do that when you're faith, but obviously, I didn't really have to have a 15. Evidently, he thinks I do. I didn't have to have a 15-passenger van. I didn't have to have a 2,200-square-feet house. But what's he doing? He's showing my faith, hey, you trust me? I'm going to take you great places. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if a son asks for bread, will give, you, give him a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, will give them a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Our first thing is we've got to look towards Him. He'll increase our faith. Secondly, He's going to increase the faith of others. I said, guys, we serve a mighty God. If we don't believe that and we don't seek, look to Him for our things, how are we different from anybody else in the world? That's what, exactly what He's saying here in Matthew. The Gentiles do that. They provide for themselves. In America, unfortunately, we know how to provide for ourselves. I've been there. That's what God had to take me through 16 months to prove to me. He, I, he provides, not myself. What big God do we serve if we meet our own needs? I mentioned George. Actually, let me back up real quick. Ephesians 3.20. Glory be to God. By His mighty power at work within us, He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. What are we saying when we spend our wealth, wealth on ourselves and we try to provide for ourselves? George Mueller, and I'll be quick at this. See, you always got so many God stories, you start running out of time. George Mueller, he lived in the 1800s early, and he um, built an orphanage. If you don't know a story, he built an orphanage and it ended up providing for thousands of kids and feeding them and clothing them, and taking care of them, and teaching the Bible to them. Here's the amazing thing about George Mueller, and I'll just give you the quick, short version of it. He never asked anybody for anything except God. Once he decided, we're going to build this orphanage. And the purpose, he says the reason he built it, yes, was to help out the kids, but the main reason was to show God's glory. That if you just pray, He will provide. He never asked for a donation. He never asked for food. He even talks about they would all the kids would be at the table at breakfast, and he would say, "There's no breakfast yet, but let's pray." And he'd say, 
God, thank you for the food that you're going to provide today. Some of you already be knocking at the door. True story. And the guy said, hey, I've got these extra loaves of bread today. Do you want them for breakfast? And somebody else came along and said, hey, my milk cart is broke. I need to get rid of this milk. Do you want it for, you know, for your kids? Continually, continually, continually. That story has had the biggest impact on my family, and that's where we've decided we don't tell people our needs. We just take it to God and let Him show off the way that He wants to. Let me tell you the third reason why I really think God gives us good God stories, and this is very, very important and very dear to my heart. I think He gives us God stories because He wants to give us something tangible to pass to our children. We talk about a great and mighty God. And we say what great and mighty survey is, but what do our kids see when we are anxious, when we worry, when they see all these things of, okay, but they say God's great, but look how they act. 88%. That's the number of students that leave the church never to return in today's society. 80 8%. Kyle sometimes has 20, maybe 30 kids on Wednesday night when they leave. And it's not college's fault. These are kids, not all these kids go to college. When they leave, statistically, two or three are all that will remain. I have five kids. Okay? That means most right now, one might remain, statistically. What in the world is going on here? I'm going to tell you my take on it, and, and there's some people who agree with me on this. But let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 real quick, and this is the last thing. I guess who I started on the screen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates as a whole I think the biggest problem we don't have God stories because we don't have God faith. And we don't have God faith and we don't pass it on to our kids. I haven't had this together. This is something God's taught me in the last eight or nine months. My oldest is six. I wish I'd figured this out before I had my oldest. For us, if we're walking and talking and we're speaking of it when we're lying down, it means it's interwoven in every part of our lives. For my family, this is what we've done. We, we start, um, let, let me just say this. Family is the center of it all for God. If you read the scripture, it begins with family. Our faith begins with family. I've heard Randy say this a few weeks ago. He said, Kyle has a great youth ministry. And Dustin has a great children's ministry. But it's not their responsibility to teach the faith. And they do a fantastic job. And I can tell you, as helping out with their stuff, they do a fantastic, wonderful job. It's not their responsibility. Parents, grandparents, it's our responsibility. They've got to see it in us, and they've got to learn it from us. I hear people say uh, at church, it's funny, they say, you know, I've got to find another church because that children's program just doesn't work for my kid. Or, or that youth minister, I mean, he doesn't really invest enough time in my kids. And, 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 and I can really see the response to that. It's not their problem. It's not their responsibility. It's ours. We don't, we, Vody Bachman wrote this book and he says in there, there should be a sign in Christian bookstores that say, the views and opinions of these books do not necessarily reflect those of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just because it's written by a Christian person doesn't mean it lines up with the Bible. Just because they tell you how to raise your kids or, 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 or do your finances, our first place to go is right here. And I'm guilty of this. I read so many books, and God has convicted me in the last few months. This is primary. The other, the other ones are later. For my family, I'll just give you a quick rundown. My family, we have...
Proverbs time at breakfast where we read over just a couple of verses. You saw how young my kids are. They all are part of it. We have Proverbs time where we get to talk what's going to happen today and pray. At evening time before they go to bed, we've been reading right now through the book of John. Breakfast, you know, originally start off five minutes. I think breakfast takes us about a half hour. The evening time, usually an hour, hour and a half. And, that, and, and it's not me just trying to, it's question after question. Conversations we would never have if we didn't sit here and talk about the Bible together. And my kids, I don't tell them, hey, you have to go pray. It's amazing just to see the results. Um, example, Joel the other day, um, belly aching, my two-year-old daughter just busted into prayer. God, thank you so much that you're going to heal Joel's stomach and make it feel better. And we see this over and over and over again. My kids are far from perfect, by the way. I don't want to paint this picture that because we have family worship, they're great. Eh, wrong. They are just like other kids. They have a sin issue that we're dealing with them all the time in. And how do we have time? Speaking of time, for us, we don't have TV. We have a TV set. We don't have bunny ears, though. We don't have satellite. It's there for if we need it for education. Joa asked me a couple months ago, Dad, why do we have a TV? It just stays closed, locked up in that little thing over there. Well, you never know when you're going to need to show them a good old Roy Rogers or something. I think the biggest reason, guys, that God gives us God stories is for our children. And grandparents, um, let me encourage you to go invest God stories and life into your grandchildren's faith. And let me just encourage all of us. This is a journey together. We all need to be start something small, but pass the faith onto your child. And let me encourage you this. If you're not experiencing God stories, do it. Get out there. And start praying and let God and wait on Him. He's never late. He may choose to be early, but He's never late. He's always on time. I would love to have a faith, I mean a church, that our youth and our children are not leaving at 88%. But they're sticking around even at a 100% rate. And we as a church could not contain all the God stories that happened. In this stage, we have to, you know, one person after another just come share another God story of how God's done something great. That's my prayer for each of us. Let's pray together. God, I, I, um, I know that in Psalm you say, go and declare the mighty works of God so that we can praise you and worship you. And Lord, I, I, I know I have the position of pastor, but it's just a title. I am just like every one of these people in this place, loved by you. Would you teach each of us how to live, to have God stories? And would you teach us even more how to have a faith that we pass on to our children, our grandchildren, and the generations to come? We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.